It is I, your host, Scary Jerry, and welcome to Demented Darkness. Ah yes, it's that special time of year, a time for gathering with friends and family, and spreading good cheer. For some, the holidays are a time of anxiety and stress, seeing family that you can't hardly stand, and if you weren't family, you would not even know them. But alas, we do what we must. Overall, it's not too terrible, unless you're Calvin. Calvin is an Afghanistan war vet who has adjusted and settled into his suburban life quite well. He has a nice house in a quiet neighborhood. His wife, Carrie, is the picture of a perfect wife. However, Calvin's pride, his reason for living is his daughter, Rachel. She's the bright star in his life that keeps the darkness at bay. It's Christmas Day in Calvin's house. I give you a Christmas to remember, penned by none other than yours truly. I hope you enjoy. Daddy, wake up. I felt tiny hands shaking me with all their might. My eyes cracked open. Not now. Daddy needs more sleep, sweetie. I looked at my daughter with bleary eyes. She started jumping up and down. But Daddy, Santa came. He came. We got to open presents. It was Christmas morning. 
I smiled at Rachel. Okay, okay, let's go. I reach over to wake Carrie, my wife, and realize that she's already up. But first, beware the tickle monster. I snatched up my daughter and started tickling her under her knees and belly. Her giggles rang out like Christmas bells. She was trying her best to fight my tickles off when she accidentally kicked out her little foot and caught me square across the nose. Ow! I exclaimed, grabbing my nose, blood trickling out from between my fingers. God damn it! Rachel had a scared look on her face and started to cry. Ah, oh, sweetie, it's okay. Daddy knows it was an accident. It just really hurts. Go downstairs with Mommy. I will get cleaned up and be down in a few minutes. In the way that only little ones can, her tears were gone in an instant. Okay, Daddy, she chirped, hopping off the bed and disappearing out of the bedroom door. I went to the bathroom and stuffed one of Carrie's tampons into my nose, trimming the end off even with my nostril. It's an old wrestling trick I picked up in high school. I washed my face, put on my robe and slippers, and went down to the kitchen. Someone says you said a bad word, Carrie said as I entered the kitchen. I went over to the coffee pot and poured a cup. Yeah, the tickle monster showed up and I took a foot to the nose. I let one slip out. It really hurt, I said ruefully. She smiled at me. Is it all right? Nothing broken, I hope. No, it's fine. Just a bump. No biggie. She walked over and kissed me. Let's go get presents done. I don't think Rachel can stand it any longer. We made our way to the living room to find Rachel kneeling on the hardwood floor in front of the Christmas tree. It looked like one of those old Saturday evening post pictures. The tree covered in tinsel. The lights tastefully decorated the limbs. Ornaments and little silver bells dotted around. Rachel was dressed in her favorite pink pajamas, her fuzzy slippers poking out from underneath her. We took our time savoring the joy in our six-year-old's eyes at opening presents. We both exchanged our gifts for each other. I'll admit I spent more than I should have on that diamond tennis bracelet I bought. But the way her face lit up at seeing the string of shimmering stars was worth it. We spent the rest of the morning eating banana pancakes, little sausages, and scrambled eggs. Rachel fell asleep curled up on the couch with her new teddy bear that was bigger than she was, while watching some cartoons. Carrie started preparing our part for the Christmas dinner later on at her mom's house. She was making her holiday specialty cheese souffle. I know it sounds weird, but it's really good, and it goes excellent with her mom's ham. Babe, I just realized I have no sour cream. Can you please run out and get some? Where am I supposed to get sour cream? It's Christmas Day. No place will be open, I said. There has to be somewhere. I bet Wally World is open. Please, we need it for the souffle. She gave me that pouty look that she knows I can't say no to. Okay, okay, I'll head out and see what I can do. I went upstairs, got dressed and grabbed my keys, and headed out after stealing a quick kiss. After driving it around town from closed place to closed place, I almost gave up. Then it hit me. I grabbed my phone and called Sam, my best friend. Luckily, he had some at his house. I ran over there and got it. I headed home as quickly as I could hoping all the while that the sour cream I got would be enough. I pulled in the driveway and decided to leave the car in the drive. We would be leaving soon anyway. I went to the front door and let myself in. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something didn't feel right. Everything looked like it should, but something didn't feel right. Then I figured it out. The house was completely quiet. No TV, no kitchen noises, nothing. Hun, 
Rach, hello. I spoke into the quiet house. I went to the living room and the TV was off. Rachel's bear was on the floor, but no Rachel. I was walking down the hall when a blinding pain erupted in the back of my head. The world tipped sideways and I went down. As I lay there clinging to consciousness, I seen a pair of black boots walk in front of me. I followed them up and a man stood there, dressed in black tactical clothes, complete with black balaclava. He then kicked me in the face hard, and the world went black. I awoke to a hard slap across the, va the face. A voice that sounded like wet gravel swirling in a buckle bucket said, Wake up, asshole. My eyes opened. I found myself tied to a dining room chair. On our mahogany table was my wife, my world. Tied, spread eagle, completely naked and gagged. Her blonde hair lay like a halo around her head. I could see tears streaking her face, and there was a small amount of blood crusted around her nose and mouth. She opened her eyes and looked at me. She had a huge goose egg on her temple. The voice again. You rich people are all the same. You think you're so much better than me? Driving around in your fancy cars, living in your mansions. The anger was rising his voice. What makes you better, huh? Answer me, goddammit! I stuttered out. What, what do you want? Then it hit me. Where's my daughter? So help me, where is she? At this time, Carrie began weeping violently through her gag. The tears were flowing freely now. Oh, I already took care of her, he paused, pulling off his mask. His head and face were a network of fat white scars. Something about him nagged at my memories. I already took care of her, he walked over and stuffed a bloody piece of pink fabric in my mouth, securing it with some duct tape. But don't worry, that sweet little thing didn't die a virgin. A wicked smile ran across his face. I began screaming behind my gag and thrashing in my chair. My vision was blurred with tears as I watched this animal in human form take his pants off. He was nothing impressive with his pants off. His legs were also covered in what appeared to be scars from skin grafts. I felt bile swell up and started hyperventilating. His disgusting tiny penis was covered with little specks of blood. I wanted to butcher this guy. I wanted to unfucking make him. I watched helplessly as he flopped on my wife. She fought and screamed through her gag as best she could, but it was no use. If anything, it excited this animal more. As he finished, he dragged a K-bar across her throat. A fountain of blood sprayed out, splattering the ceiling, walls, and floor. A sick, gurgling sound came from the gaping wound in her neck. In my thrashing, I managed to tip myself over. Staring up at the ceiling, tears running down my face, the bastard stood over me. He pointed a gun at my face and said, Cowards deserve to die. I never heard the gunshots. The last thing I remember was gazing into hate-filled, piercing blue eyes. Everything blacked out.
Daddy, wake up. I jolted awake. Rachel was sitting on the bed. Santa came. He came. Come on, let's go see what he got us. I reached out and hugged her fiercely. Stop, she complained. We got out of bed. I carried her downstairs. My wife was in the kitchen. I went and immediately hugged her too. The three of us in the kitchen. Tears were running down my face. Baby, what's wrong? Carrie said, concern evident on her face. Nothing. It's just... Everything is wonderful, I said, kissing her again. I just had a terrible dream. We made our way to the living room to find Rachel kneeling on the hardwood floor in front of the Christmas tree. It looked like one of those Saturday evening post pictures, the tree covered in tinsel, the lights tastefully decorated the limbs, ornaments, and silver bells dotted around. We took our time savoring the joy in our six-year-old's eyes at opening presents. We both exchanged our gifts for each other. I'll admit, I spent more than I should have on the diamond tennis bracelet I bought Carrie. But the way her face lit up at seeing the string of shimmering stars was worth it. Soon my dream had faded from my memory. We spent the rest of the morning eating banana pancakes, little sausages, and scrambled eggs. Rachel fell asleep curled up on the couch with her new teddy bear that was bigger than she was while watching some cartoons. Carrie started preparing our part of the Christmas dinner later on at her mom's house. She was making her holiday specialty, cheese souffle. We got dressed and loaded up the car. Driving carefully, we headed out on the hour or so drive to her mother's house. We got on the freeway and was and I was surprised at all the fucking traffic. Babe, it's okay. We'll get there when we get there. I had been changing lanes, trying to navigate the traffic. Just then, some douchebags honked at me and flipped me off. Yeah, back at you, pal, I said, returning the gesture. Babe, Carrie scolded and smacked my shoulder. What? The guy was a jerk. Suddenly, the car in front of them brake-checked me. Jesus! People are driving bad today, I said. I looked over at my wife, and she looked scared. What's wrong? You are driving crazy. You're in such a hurry for. She asked this when I cut off a large black SUV. Calm down. I just want to get there. I'm not doing anything that's out of line, I said, checking my review. What the hell? Babe, look at this shit. The SUV was glued on my bumper, flashing his lights. I changed lanes. He changed lanes. Then he flew by me, got in front, and slammed on his brakes. I had to swerve to avoid a collision. Carrie and Rachel screamed. Hun, just get off the freeway. This guy is acting dangerous. I tried getting off the next exit, and the damn SUV got in front of me again and wouldn't let me off. Damn it, I cursed. What the fuck is this guy's problem? I decided to try and haul ass to lose him. Traffic had thinned out now. I floored it, but our Subaru was not made for speed. We couldn't shake him. I decided to try to get off the freeway again. I got off the nearest exit. However, the SUV followed me. He's still following, I said, my anxiety rising. Calvin, keep calm. Whatever you do, don't stop, Carrie whispered. Rachel was shocked into silence in the back seat. She could tell that something was wrong, but couldn't understand what. Daddy, why is that man angry? Not now, honey, I said. We were approaching a bridge that went over a river. Just then, the SUV actually bumped into us. Carrie and Rachel screamed again. I barely kept the car under control. We started crossing the bridge. The SUV went out as if to pass us. I tried to slow down a bit to let him by, but when his front bumper was even with our back wheel, he suddenly turned sharply, smashing into our car. We started to skid sideways. Then our car crashed into the guardrail of the bridge and flipped over. The windows shattered almost instantly. Sticky safety glass blanketed us. It took a moment to get my bearings. We were upside down, teetering on the edge of the bridge. Everyone just hold still, I said as calmly as I could muster. I looked over at Carrie. She was unconscious in her seat, her blonde hair hanging towards the roof. That was when I noticed the piece of steel sticking out of her side. Thick red blood ran out and toward her head. It was dripping on the roof. I looked back in the back seat. 
or where it should have been. All I seen was mangled metal with brilliant red blood oozing out. I tried to scream, but something was preventing me from making any noise. I felt the car shift. We tipped over the edge into nothingness above the river. I remember the feeling of weightlessness as we plummeted to the river, the crisp December air biting at my skin. I heard metal crunching, and everything went black. Daddy, wake up! I jolted upright. What the fuck is going on? Santa came! Santa came! My daughter chorused. Go downstairs, sweetie. Rachel hopped down and disappeared out the door. I went to the bathroom and splashed water on my face. What is going on? My mind raced. My family was slated to die. However, fate or God or the cosmos was giving me the chance to change things. I think if I could navigate the day and get us to survive, maybe we can still be alive and happy. I took my time getting downstairs. What better way than just to stay home and keep my family safe? We took our time in the joy of our six-year-old's eyes at opening presents. We both exchanged our gifts with each other. I had to watch her open that damn bracelet again. We ate some more pancakes and sausages and eggs. Rachel fell asleep on the couch as before with her new teddy bear. I purposely picked at breakfast. Cal, what's wrong, honey? You've been acting strange all morning, almost like you've been fighting back tears. Every time you look at us, I can see your eyes start to well up. Plus, you've hardly touched your breakfast. I'm really not feeling well. I think it was the shrimp cocktail last night over at Sam and Kelly's place. She looked at me for a long moment. Okay, you do look pale as a sheet. I will call mom and let her know we aren't going to be able to make it. Thanks, babe. I'm sorry, I said woodenly, trying to sound sick. We spent the day watching old Christmas movies. White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, and the like. Every time a car went by, I about jumped out of my skin. I did periodic checks to make sure there weren't any intruders lurking about. About 8 o'clock at night, Rachel went to bed. As Carrie and I relaxed in the living room, just enjoying each other's company, I finally started to relax. Would you like a whiskey nightcap, my love? she asked. I'd love one. And fetch me one of my cigars as well. Yes, darling. A little celebration was in order. We had done it. I had saved my family. The security system was set. Doors and windows were locked. Life was grand. One whiskey turned into two, which turned into three, and then became the rest of the bottle. I smoked cigar after cigar, the fine Honduran tobacco filling the air with its sweet aroma. At some point, Carrie went up to bed. I faded in and out of wakefulness. The alcohol really had a hold on me. I set my cigar in the ashtray and stumbled my way back up to bed. Wake up! I was being shaken violently. Babe, the alarm is going off, and there's smoke everywhere. I sat upright, my head spinning. Rachel, I said, we need to get her. I went to the door and touched the knob and hissed. It's hot. I went to the bathroom and grabbed a couple of t-shirts, wetted them down, gave one to my wife, and tied one around my face. We're going to go get her. Do what I do and stay close. She tied her shirt over her nose and mouth and nodded. We went to the door. She grabbed onto the back of my pajamas. And we crouched down. I did a finger count of three and reached up using my sleeve, opened the door. We were immediately met with a wall of black smoke flooding into our room. I could hear Rachel coughing and calling out for us. I got on my belly and started army crawling down the hallway towards Rachel's room. On the way, I glanced down the stairs and saw what was a hellscape. Everything was on fire. Waves of black smoke and heat billowed up the stairway. The floor underneath my belly was almost so hot as to be burning. My makeshift mask was almost dry. Then I realized Carrie wasn't holding on anymore. 
I'd lost her. It was so dark. The only light was a sinister orange glow in the thick black smoke. That was when my hand found something soft. I felt it was Rachel. I'd recognize her tiny form anywhere. I grabbed her still body with one arm and started crab walking down towards me and Carrie's room. I opened the door and placed Rachel inside, shutting the door quickly behind us. My beautiful daughter was covered in inky black soot. Her eyes were blank. She wasn't breathing. I clutched her to my chest and began crying. Determined not to give up, I began CPR. After a few tense minutes, she began to cough and gag. Daddy, she rasped in a terrible little whisper. Where's Mommy? Shit, I had forgotten all about Carrie. Sweetie, stay here. It isn't safe out there, I said, gesturing to the hallway. I'm going to go find Mommy. Listen very carefully. I know you are scared, but you need to be tough right now. If it gets too scary in here, or if anything gets on fire, I want you to climb out the window. Get on the roof and try to get away. Daddy will go get Mommy, and then we will all climb down together, okay? She put on the bravest face she could and nodded. With that, I went back out in the hall. Carrie must have fallen down the stairs. I crawled down them. I could feel the hair singeing off my head, and I think my shirt was catching on fire. The entire downstairs was an inferno. I could feel my skin blistering. Then I smelled the worst smell, almost like burnt pork ribs, only sickly sweet, too. I found her charred body lying near the kitchen. I crawled to her. I noticed pieces of my flesh falling off. I didn't care. Then I heard a noise behind me, a thump like a ripe melon falling on a sidewalk. Holding my dead wife in my arms, I turned and seen the blackened form of Rachel at the bottom of the stairs. She got scared and followed me. As the roof started to groan, I cursed God, Allah, and whoever else I could think of for forcing me to, do, to endure this misery. Lying in the burning remains of my house, I breathed one last searing gasp, and everything went black. Are you looking for the perfect, delightfully demented gift for Christmas? Look no further than Anthology of Horror Merch Store at AOHPmerch.com. We have a wide variety of gifts ranging from hand lotion to t-shirts to stickers. Head on over to AOHPmerch.com today. Buy a Demented Darkness t-shirt or an Anthology of Horror podcast coffee mug. Pick up a few Dark Side of the Nerd stickers to give your pop culture obsessed friends and family. Or the ever popular I'm a fucker bucket hat. Check out AOHPmerch.com today. Now let's get back to our story.
Daddy, wake up. I groaned. I opened my eyes and looked at my daughter. Her look of joy melted off her face. Let Daddy wake up, okay? Okay, Daddy, please hurry. I want to open presents. I sat there for a few minutes. So much time has passed. I've lost track of how many times I've repeated this terrible day. All the ways I had seen them die. I decided if this was the way it was going to be, then I would do them a kindness. I decided to do the deed myself. At least they would not suffer. I went downstairs. My wife was in the kitchen drinking coffee. I went over to the pot and poured myself a cup. After the caffeine I kicked in, I went over, hugged her, my darling wife from behind. She leaned into me, and I hugged tighter. She started to say something, but I clamped my hand over her mouth. Moving my other arm around and placing her in a chokehold, her feet were kicking uselessly at the floor. With tears streaming down my face, I squeezed the life out of her. She had stopped breathing. I placed her head gently on the table. Rachel came skipping into the kitchen. Are you coming? Why is Mommy sleeping? Mommy is very tired, I managed to say without too much pain in my voice. Let's go in the living room while she rests. I took my sweet, innocent daughter by the hand and walked into the living room, glaring at that damn tree. I had come to despise it, you know. It offered false hope and joy. There was nothing here for me but misery. Rachel sat on my lap. I leaned in and kissed her on the forehead. I cupped her cherubic face in my hand and with a sudden quick twist, snapped her neck. As she slumped over, I clung to her tears streaming down my face. I know I'm insane, but I've seen them die when our car was hit by a train. We were gunned down in a robbery at a convenience store. A fucking gas leak caused our house to explode. I've seen my family destroyed more times than I can remember. Must be some kind of way out of here. Said a joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I placed their corpses in their beds and went back downstairs. I sat in my favorite chair drinking, trying to numb the pain of my existence. I thought back to my time in the service. I was in the army on deployment. We were stationed in Afghanistan. My unit was an advanced scout detachment. Our job was to scout out ahead of the column, take out any insurgents, and disarm any IED we could locate. We drove in a light armored vehicle, LAV for short. An LAV is basically a big dune buggy with a gun turret on top and seats five, including the gunner. One day we were out on patrol when we located a suspicious vehicle with a haji bent under the hood. Red flags immediately went up and we readied our weapons. We were in a narrow valley and the truck was dead center on the road. My CO was trying to get radio contact with the main column without any success. The damn hajis had figured out a way to jam our radios. This could only mean one thing. Ambush. Now... I need to confess, I am a coward. The first volley of gunfire came in and we seemed and seemed to come from every direction. They had us dead to nuts. Reno and Chavez jumped out and tried to make for cover. They were gunned down almost immediately. My CO slumped down next to me, leaking blood from a wicked wound in his throat. Our unit consisted of three LAVs. The one on point suddenly exploded as an RPG detonated. 
I threw it in reverse and turned around. We needed air support. I floored it and headed back. I had gotten about a thousand yards away when my front tire hit a landmine. The explosion tipped the LAV on its side. Lucky and Knox were lying on the passenger side. Lucky showed no signs of life, and Knox was screaming bloody murder. He sounded like a wounded fucking animal. Pain riddled my legs and I looked down. I had several nasty wounds on the lower part of my legs. I started trying to get out of the vehicle. Knox was pleading for me. Cal! Cal, I'm a goner! Don't let them bastards get me! They'll torture me! Please, brother, give me a mercy! I looked into his piercing blue eyes. I trained my side arm on him. And then I put it away. Sorry, brother, I can't. I will never forget the pain and hatred I saw in those piercing blue eyes. I noticed some insurgents heading to my position and took off. It took me several days to hike injured through hostile territory and make it back to the column. I was awarded a Purple Heart and a Distinguished Service Medal. I deserved neither. I abandoned my friends into the hands of the enemy. It wasn't long and I mustered out of the Big Red One. I am a coward. That is why I decided to end my family with mercy. I couldn't do it for my brother-in-arms, but I can do it for them. I went to the hall closet, retrieved a box from the top shelf. My 1911 gleamed. I went upstairs and lay next to my beautiful wife. Put the muzzle in my mouth and ate a bullet. Time began to lose meaning. I've killed my family more times than I can count. Maybe it's the madness, maybe it's the boredom and monotony, but from time to time I have started doing it differently. Once, I just turned on the gas stove and let us all die of asphyxiation. Another time, I slipped an extra ingredient into Carrie's souffle. Arsenic from some rat poison we had. You should have seen it. At my mother-in-law's house, everyone started vomiting and choking on their tongues. It was priceless. I've become to hate that bitch that was my wife and her sniveling little brat. They represent everything I can't have. Love, joy, contentment. Fuck them and fuck me too. Daddy, wake up. My eyes shot open. I punched the little brat hard in the face. She immediately started squalling. I grabbed her by the hair and carried her into the bathroom. I started smashing her head into the counter by the sink over and over until the noise stopped. I gotta say, there wasn't much head left. I took its filthy little paws and stuck them in the pooling blood and used them to decorate my face. That was when I heard a blood-curdling scream. I spun around to see that other stupid cunt. Fucking Carrie. I tried to grab her and she spun so quickly I had to chase her. She almost, almost made it to the front door. She was fumbling with the lock on the door. I slammed into her, bouncing her head off the door, stunning her. She slumped to the floor. I grabbed her by an ankle and dragged her to the kitchen while whistling joy to the world. I dropped her in a heap on the floor, went over and removed a large kitchen knife from the block. I then stabbed her 36 times. The gore covered me. It was ecstasy. I left her mutilated corpse where it lay and went and retrieved my pistol. Two deaths was no longer enough. The first thing I did was walk next door and dispatch that son of a bitch Jenkins and his family. They had a nice heavy Suburban. I definitely needed something big. So far, my count was up to seven. I jumped into the Suburban and headed out of our neighborhood. Two cop cars went speeding by 
lights and sirens blazing. I grinned. Too late, guys, I said. I headed downtown. Whenever I seen a pedestrian, I ran them down. I remember there was one little old lady that went squish when my left fender plowed into her when she wasn't looking. In no time, I was approaching 50 kills. The front of the white SUV was covered in blood and little bits of meat. The pigs finally pinned me down on a dead-end street. Driver, get out of the vehicle. Do it now, I heard a commanding voice say over a loudspeaker. I looked at them, trying to pick my pony. There he is, a young little piggy, eyes about as large as dinner plates. He must be new, fresh out of the academy. I savored the fear in his expression. I rolled down my window to the sounds of weapons clicking as safeties were flicked off. I pulled the little pin out of the thing I was holding, a little memento from my time in the service, flipped the release and counted to three. As I tossed it out the window in the general direction of wide eyes, a hail of bullet ripped into the suburban. I was hit all over. Arms, legs, chest. I thought it was a shame I would not know my final count. Oh well, there's always tomorrow. As the hand grenade detonated and bodies flew in every direction, everything went black. Daddy, wake up! I grabbed that little bitch by the throat. I'm going to take a little break and tell you guys about the other shows on the network. Leading the way is Anthology of Horror Podcast, hosted by my good friend, spring Jack. Each episode brings you spine-tingling stories, true crime accounts, or disturbing threads from Reddit. Jack's ability to both narrate and add his unique perspective makes for a thoroughly entertaining podcast. Give him a listen. And tell him Scary Jerry sent you. But that's not all. Be looking for his 12 Days of Christmas special coming up soon. I wrote him a special piece just for his show. Also, if witty game streams are your thing, head on over to Foxhound43 on Rumble. His ability to seamlessly combine his macabre sense of humor and intellectual conversation are unparalleled. Check out Foxhound43 on Rumble today. And let's not forget about my other show, Dark Side of the Nerd. Each episode, I dive deep into pop culture icons and reveal their dark side. Do you have a podcast or want to start one? Hit me up at The Scary Jerry. That's The underscore Scary underscore Jerry on Instagram and pitch your idea. We are always looking for new shows to add to our lineup. Now let's see how this story ends. A hand reached out and gently touched the surface of the silvery liquid in the cauldron. A ripple moved through it, and the scene of Calvin vanished. Pay up, Hades, the commanding voice of Ares said triumphantly. Yeah, yeah, Hades remarked. But you cheated. You used his old war buddy to kill him in the first place. A coward is a coward, mused Ares. He broke. They always do. Cowards do it the fastest. Maybe if he had showed some of that willingness to die in battle, his friends would have spent 18 months in the hands of his enemies being tortured. The only, keeping, the only thing keeping his friend alive 
was the thirst for revenge. Then perhaps old Calvin would have had a long, happy life. That wasn't his way or his time, cackled the fates from the corner. No, I suppose not, Hades muttered as he lit a thick black cigar from a brazier. They were gathered in a large room, the walls molded from black obsidian. Jesus set down his goblet of wine and whispered something into Aphrodite's ear and shoot her off his knee with a wink. I just don't understand why it had to be on my birthday, he whined. Hades admonished. You know as well as I do it isn't your birthday. You don't have one. None of us do. We've always just been. I know, I know, but don't you find it cruel to take such a happy time and break him with it? Any time is good. They all end up here anyway. None are worthy of our company, said Hades. Ha-ha! Why do you think I use a feather to weigh against their hearts? Osiris chimed in. All the gods laughed. Seriously, though, Jesus began. Take one of my devout believers. They would stand longer. Mine are so blind by faith. It takes a lot to crack them. Take Teresa Gray. Her faith is very strong. She has suffered much in her life as a pastor's wife. I bet she could go at least 60 rounds. And I'll double down. I bet she will succeed and join us. Just then, a swirl of shimmering light coalesced into the room, forming a bright, shining being. Knock it off, Lucy, they all scoffed. We know you're beautiful. The bright light dimmed and resolved into an absolutely gorgeous man. You know I hate it when you call me that, Lucifer said. I'm not Lucy. Hey, Jesus, did I hear you throw out a bed, old chum? Well, I hope you have found poor Calvin the Coward's story amusing. I certainly did. I want to take a minute and thank you for being the most important part of Demented Darkness and the Anthology of Horror Podcast Network. Do you have a story idea or a short horror story you would like featured on Demented Darkness? Contact me on Instagram at the underscore scary with two R's underscore Jerry. Also reach out just to say hi. Send me hate mail. I don't care. Don't forget to tell your friends, loved ones, hell, even tell your enemies. Tell everyone you know about it and the other podcast shows on the network. As this Christmas episode comes to a close, hug your loved ones a little tighter. Listen to your brother's bullshit stories with the new year and be happy that you have loved ones to both love and be loved by. Be blessed, and until next time, don't let the darkness in.
Welcome back everybody and happy Thursday. This week, very special cover, Cindy Lauper's Time After Time with a guest appearance by the amazingly talented Addie Lane. All of her links are gonna be in the video description below, so make sure to go and check her out. If you liked it, click to subscribe to YouTube. Don't forget, go to the Patreon page and support. Follow on Twitter and Instagram, like on Facebook, and listen on Spotify. And I'll see all of you guys next week. You say, go slow.